Hello and welcome to the We're All Stories podcast. Stories are who we are and what we leave behind after we go. I hope you enjoy this one I put together for you today. Happy New Year, everyone. Come along and journey with me as we travel through all of time and space to look at various New Year's traditions through the ages. The idea to celebrate the coming of the New Year goes back, way back. The first recorded New Year's celebration took place in ancient Babylon around 2000 BC. This is just the first recorded celebration, mind. There may have, and probably were, celebrations for uncounted years before this. This was just the first time someone wrote it down. In these days, some 4,000 odd years ago, the new year was calculated by the vernal equinox in March which signaled the ending of the old year with the new year starting on the first new moon after this date. New Year's back then was an 11-day religious celebration called Akitu to celebrate the victory of the sky god Marduk over the draconian sea goddess Yamat, whom, while originally a goddess of creation, giving birth to the world, on the other side of the coin represented disorder and chaos and all the destructive powers of the unknown oceans, which can be a scary place in our time, but think how people 4,000 years ago must have felt, not knowing even the little bit we know now. The oceans represented a vast unknown rife with danger. Many who set sail never make it home again. Between shipwrecks, hurricanes, and massive tsunamis, the ocean to this day remains a vast, mysterious, and dangerous unknown. So it can be understood why the early Mesopotamians had cause to celebrate the conquering and subduing of the seas for another year. On the political side of things, part of the celebration included the swearing-in of a new king or a renewal of the current king's reign by a ceremony of humiliation. The king is stripped of his regal regalia, then swears before a statue of Marduk at the temple that he had ruled with honor the previous year and led his people well. The priest then slaps his sovereign, smacking him around a bit, then drags him around the place by his ear. If the king sheds tears, it is a symbol that Marduk approved and his reign could continue another year. Some historians feel because of this political aspect of the celebration that Akitu was more about reinforcing the power of the ruler by proving to the people that they ruled with the blessing of the gods and had all the powers of the heavens and the earth behind them. Still in the Middle East, we can see celebrated the Persian New Year of Nowruz in Iran. Dating back to at least the 6th century BC, 
This New Year's celebration was also centered around the vernal equinox and was believed to have been part of the Zoroastrian religion. Not to be outdone by their Babylonian neighbors, this celebration lasted 13 days. Nowruz seems to have focused less on the ending of the old year and more on celebrating the birth of the new one. This was done by holding lavish parties and the giving of gifts to ensure that the new year would be generous in kind. After all, it is a long-held tradition that what you do on the first day of the new year foreshadows the kind of year you will have. This philosophy is held in many cultures around the world and across all times. We can even still see this in some of our modern traditions and celebrations. Other ways this no ruse was celebrated is in the symbolic sprinkling of water, dyeing and painting eggs to symbolize creation fertility and a new year full of new life. Later celebrations have the rather unique tradition of selecting a Norusian ruler. At the beginning of the festival, a commoner is selected as king for the duration of the event, to be overruled by the actual leader at its close. Noruz remains a vibrant and thriving celebration to this day. Even all these thousands of years later, an estimated 300 million people still celebrate. For the ancient Egyptians, the year began after the Nile floodwaters had receded, leaving the farmers' fields fertilized and ready for planting in a celebration called Wipet Renpet, and included a number of celebrations focused around this, including the Festival of Drunkenness, which I cover more in depth in my episode on Flood Mythologies of the World. We'll be right back after these messages. Looking to start the new year by starting your own podcast? Make things easier on yourself by checking out buzzsprout.com for hosting and let them connect you to all the major podcast directories. Use the link in the show notes to receive a $20 Amazon gift card when you start a new paid membership. Starting your new year in the ancient tradition by generously giving gifts? Why not give the gift of your support for this show through Patreon? And you can ring in the new year in style by scoring some awesome We're All Stories merch in the process. Thank you for helping make this year great. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter to stay up to date with all the latest We're All Stories news. And now, back to the show.
so Rome steps up as the preeminent superpower in the world and ushers us into the beginnings of the modern age. According to sources, the Romans originally took the old New Year's celebrations of other pre-existing cultures and made it their own, just like they did with their religion and mythology and various other aspects of their lives. It really seems like Rome was that guy, looking around to see what everyone else was doing and copying them. Yeah, that over there you guys are doing, that looks cool. I think I'll take it and make it a central part of our culture and act like we invented it. The original Roman calendar was supposedly created and put in place by its founder and first emperor Romulus in the 8th century BC. The calendar originally featured 10 months, starting with Martius, named for Mars, god of war, then Aprilis, popularly held to be from the Latin Aperira, to open, possibly referring to buds opening in spring, though others link this name to Aphrodite. Maus, popularly held to be named for the Greek goddess Maia, a goddess personifying motherhood, growth, and care, who is celebrated with a springtime festival in this month, though Ovid would argue it could come from Maioris, referring to adult men. Junius, probably for Juno, queen of the gods, though possibly from Junioris, again from Ovid, referring to boys or young men, think like Junior in English. Then, the Romans apparently run out of good ideas for names and we come to our number months. Quintilis, Sextilis, September, October, November, and December. This year, made up of these 10 months, encompassed 304 days, beginning with the vernal equinox. So the Roman New Year was originally celebrated in the spring, just like we see in the other cultures we've looked at. Now we have all these ancient celebrations focusing on the new year which began with the spring. So why is that? Well let's take a look. Before we had our modern, abstract, standardized and set calendar, our ancestors based their concept of time on what was going on around them. Before we could just head over to the local grocery store, people relied on the crops they grew for subsistence. So it would make sense that their year would begin with the season of planting, spring. After Romulus, the second Roman Emperor Numa Pompilius, reigning from 715 to 673 BC, steps up and adds Januarius for Janus, god of new beginnings and Februarius, likely for Februs, the god of purification, whose festival falls in this month, to make the number of months an even twelve. Centuries of this astrological miscalculation means the calendar falls wildly out of sync with the sun. 
In 46 BC, Julius Caesar decides things had gotten out of hand and gathers a think tank of the best astronomers and mathematicians to iron this out. What they come up with is the Julian calendar, which looks pretty darn close to our calendar today. To get things back on track, Julius added 90 extra days to the year 46 to make it so his calendar could sync up with the actual year. Talk about a long installation period for the new upgrade. Because having it called the Julian calendar wasn't enough, in honor of himself, the month of Quintilis becomes July. Not to be outdone, his successor, Julius Augustus Caesar, gets Sextilis changed to August. Popular lore has it that Julius took a day from February and added it to July so his month was not outshone by any other month. Not wanting to be overshadowed by his uncle, Augustus takes another day to add it to August so it too has 31 days. For many, this story was taken as gospel truth. I know all my life I was taught this as fact, but this story, it turns out, is an invention of 13th century French scholar-monk Johannes de Sacabrasco. Apparently, Sextilis had always had 31 days, and it had happened to be chosen as the month that would inherit the Augustus name, not because it had an equal number of days with Julius's month, but because a lot of good August things happened in this month for Augustus. As I mentioned earlier, the Roman New Year's parties originally coincided with the vernal equinox, but centuries of mucking about, making adjustments here and there, fine-tuning the calendar, and let's not forget the big Julian upgrade, sees the end of the old year and the beginning of the new gradually shifting to where it is today in midwinter, December 31st into January 1st. As God of New Beginnings, it is only fitting that January kick off the new year. Looking at New Year's Eve, how it straddles the old year and the new is rather reminiscent of how the two-faced God Janus is depicted, with one face always looking back at what has passed, while the other is fixed ahead, peering into a bright future. Romans celebrated their New Year's Day by offering sacrifices to Janus, seeking his divine blessings for a good year ahead. By exchanging gifts of figs and honey with one another, starting the new year off on the right foot with friends, family, and neighbors, striving for good relations with their fellow man for the year to come. And by decorating their homes and hosting and or attending wild raucous parties. This was not a work holiday though, and according to Ovid, most Romans made sure to work at least a part day as beginning the new year with idleness was considered a bad omen. Their half day complete, they could then kip out early to start partying. Their social obligation fulfilled so they could expect their new year to be industrious and prosperous.
Some aspects of this and other celebrations we've looked at today seem to have been appropriated by Christian holidays, such as dyeing and painting eggs at Easter, but most noticeably, by decorating your home and the giving of gifts which have become part of Christmas festivities. Though the Tudors did bring gifting back to New Year's for a while and some continue to do their gifting then, though following Queen Victoria and Prince Albert's example, most now exchange gifts on Christmas. But this can all be seen more in depth in our Christmas episode from last time. Many other practices and ideas from these ancient prehistoric celebrations continue to be used to this day. This is likely because the sentiments and philosophies behind these traditions are timeless and universal. No matter when and where you are, the idea of starting the new year on the right foot, so to speak, is there, and the desire to make the new year better than the last is in most, if not all of us. I have often heard expressed by many people from all walks of life and have seen in every culture I have studied the idea that whatever you do on the first day of the year, New Year's Day, sets the tone for the year to come. What you do, what you give on this day is what you will get back throughout the year. This is the idea behind all of these celebrations we have looked at today why they are celebrated and why these celebrations have endured in one aspect or another for all these thousands of years and continue to be celebrated today. One ritual from New Year's celebrations from around the world passed down through generations is the idea that eating certain foods on this day will bring you luck and good fortune. Whether you celebrate by eating sweets and long noodles in Asia, black-eyed peas in the American South, grapes in Spain, olibollin in the Netherlands, pickled herring in Scandinavian cultures, pork throughout Europe and the US, and special cakes all over the world. I wish you good luck and good fortune in this new year and in all the years to come. Happy New Year to all of you and thank you for celebrating with me. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the We're All Stories podcast, a production of Ravenswing Studios. This story was researched, written, and read by me, David Huncherik. The music was composed and performed for the show by the fantastically talented Brian Berger. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast directory you use. this podcast is a real labor of love. An unbelievable amount of time and effort goes into making this for you. If you would like to continue hearing new stories from me, please consider joining in and supporting the show on Patreon.
By becoming a patron, you get access to recipes to go with the episodes, bonus episodes, and all kinds of exciting merch. Plus, you get that warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart, knowing you are helping keep this show alive. Good on you, you big patron of the arts, you. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope to see you back next time.